0: This is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Wikipedia. And Wednesday, favorite day of the week. Really, it's hunt day, of course so today i am super excited to bring to you my conversation with my mate sean collins now anyone who is in the running scene in and around new zealand and beyond i would say will know sean collins he is the successful co-founder and race director of lactic turkey which brings to us running events row gaining events he's also been popularised, if you want to say that, by doing crazy ass things like circumventing Auckland on foot, all 251 kilometres of it, of doing the Revenant twice, doing it once, figuring out the psychology and the mental aspect of it, then nailing it the second time, and all these other challenges. And it was just fantastic to sit down with Sean and talk to him about it. So, you know, this week we talk about his upbringing, the benefits of his outdoor lifestyle, the extreme endurance, and what sort of pushes him to to go to the extremes. The revenant, including the nutrition, building up, enduring it. And we have such a good conversation around the mental training to manage pain. And if you are an endurance athlete, you will definitely want to be taking down some notes around this because Sean brings some really practical, actionable strategies to help you with training the brain to do these events. Because let's face it, if you are in the endurance scene, you've got the fitness. It's that mental fitness which really makes the difference, or at least it seems to for me anyway. We talk about that brain endurance training, We talk about sleep, deprivation, power naps, and even sleepwalking during his longer events, and also what the next incarnation of the Hillary Ultra will look like, which anyone in the running scene in and around Auckland will have been missing this event over the last few years. So you can reach Sean at lacticturkey.co.nz also on Strava and Instagram at the Running Beast. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Sean Collins. Live, oh, who?
1: Straight to the interweb, no editing.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> Do you know what it would be raw, dynamic? That would, that it would. It'd be and often Sean. So kia ora Sean. <laughs> Thank Kia. you. Thank you for coming to our humble abode and taking time out of your Saturday to chat to me. When I thought it would be great for us to sit down and have a conversation, in part because I know you're a good talker, <laughs> which is like prerequisite, yeah, yeah. Um, but also just a mad keen runner. And mm. oftentimes when we have conversations with like-minded individuals, you're kind of sitting there and at the end of it, you feel really satisfied, like really full up and I'm like, mate I reckon there'd be so many people who would just be interested in what we had to say yeah which is probably one of the reasons why I started Wikipedia anyway um so I could just get to talk to mates <laughs> about things that we both like
1: yeah well you think of the times you go out running with your mates and and you're just chatting away filling in space I guess yeah and yeah, you're picking up little tidbits of information and things that oh yeah I might try that and but yeah. you're learning and having interesting discussions it's you get to the end of it. Oh, that was awesome!
0: <laughs> totally right. Yeah. I, mean, I guess the only thing missing from that equation right here, right now, is, and of course, the run, the movement, the movement. <laughs> and interesting, we've both come from dry needling sessions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and can't move at the moment. <laughs> no,
0: but you know, as a runner, it's almost like you're either about to be injured, you're injured, or you're coming back from injury.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But it doesn't stop us because no. running is so much more than just the actual activity, eh? It's a bit of a lifestyle.
1: It is, yeah, and it flows through into um, the rest of your life as well. Yeah, um, not just the planning around it, but yep. I guess the the benefits and I guess some of the not benefits as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, Sean, I think you are like the epitome of what you've just described. That it kind of flows through your life. Like I <laughs> love looking at your Facebook page, and obviously my prior. Um, knowledge of you in your life, you you've built your life and partly your career around epic adventures related to running and of course multi sports stuff as well. But now I'm thinking predominantly running. Yeah. Um and you you bring that to the people as well. Like you've totally embraced that running lifestyle. But you're still just a regular guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Juggling family and job and yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Injury and <laughs> and whatnot. I just would really love to start at the beginning, and can you just talk to me about where the love for running and the outdoors, where did that originate from for you?
1: Yeah, it's hard to think of where it originated, just I think it's always been... Oh, up, upbringing was on farms yeah. um, so mum and dad actually quit their, their and quite much real jobs <laughs> um, to go share milkings and wow. mainly for the, so dad was an architect and mum was a teacher yeah. and they quit that to um, give us kids, me and my sister, the lifestyle of you know living on a farm and all of that living on a farm brings <laughs> and so they share milked and so we moved around quite a bit and I guess that's where it started as you know you go off exploring into the bush and or mm-hmm. up on the farm and that and it just sort of grows from there as you get bigger and can start to run then yeah. it, it gets wider and wider yeah, so yeah. I think that's where it started and then it develops as you have more adventures you, you want more yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and it feels like what you've just described your parents do is the type of lifestyle that like was that something you always wanted for your family because if it's not your epic adventures that I'm reading about on Facebook (laughs) it's Mad's adventure with your girls and stuff like that as well
1: yeah it is and that's kind of been brought home recently um over Christmas and that we took the we went tramping with the girls and um Sarah is actually moving out tomorrow um she's moving off to university so we lose one of them But we had this cool adventure with two big tramps around Stuart Island, the Rakaia and um, Rakiura, sorry. And the restart walk. Since then, people have said, oh, they're still, are they, like, are you dragging them around or? Yeah. (laughs) No, they're they're keen as. And they were into it. And at the end of those two big walks, they said, well, no more walking. (laughs) We want to cruise for the rest of the holiday. But Yeah. yeah, they love it. And so it's quite cool that... You know, we haven't pressured them into stuff they've yeah. like naturally gotten more and more interested and and they want to do it with their friends next summer or whatever so yeah it, it's definitely something that we are keen to um, nurture I guess it's that adventure yeah exploring yeah
0: like I think about my childhood and it was very suburban New Zealand you know and I had little rat bags as brothers, brother and sisters. You know, we had the police knocking on the door a few times <laughs> across the course of a childhood. And I had my nose stuck in a book until I was about 14. Yeah. And then I kind of got a little bit active on the back of friends being active. And then somehow I was just sort of drawn to it. But it wasn't because of the family upbringing. And it's not that, you know, parents are just different, right? So my parents were just they just worked, and my dad went for walks and stuff, but certainly wasn't the real outdoorsy kind of type, yeah, which you describe um how your parents wanted you to kind of be, but also equally how you guys are. and like I feel like your your kids are super lucky to have that yeah. because <laughs> other parents and i'm and I'm sure that you know it's similar regardless of what of the type of situation you're in, but constant battles with devices and even those who are really wanting the kids to get outdoors and be more adventurous and and go exploring and stuff there's that constant battle between technology
1: yeah mm. yeah and even our girls like well, when they're back at school after the holidays they all oh, our friends we asked them what they did and they just hang around at home like watching <laughs> and that was like for the whole summer and this holiday seemed really long <laughs> yes. for some reason because they finished early and started late but our girls can't imagine like spending all of that time not actually going and doing some adventure and like just being at home the whole time it's <laughs> yeah yeah
0: you know it's funny like Baz and I often talk we're like oh should we take the camper out here or should we go camping here and it's almost always a hard yes because <laughs> you know you're not going to look back and go remember that weekend we went to Albany Mall and got sushi and I bought that top from Glassons <laughs> yeah. you know it's yeah. more like you remember that time we went to Hanua's and we saw those really big fat poo and wondered who on earth has been feeding those poo kekos? you know like yeah that's how you build memories yeah
1: and it, and it's hard to do that initial push out the door to pack and and go but once you've pretty much as soon as you drive out of the driveway you're like oh yes yeah <laughs> yeah you just slip into that nice uh, feeling that you're away and you're yeah. off somewhere yep. yeah
0: and for us at least it's the battle of the Sunday afternoon evening because of course you know you kind of have to get back and get organised for the week ahead. But if you just put it out of your mind and think, you know what, it's really only a twenty four hour sort of rush for that next day trying to catch up.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then you just you will just remember the fun weekend you have rather than that the hours just ticked by because you were pottering around at home, <laughs> yeah, right?
1: Doing chores.
0: Exactly, doing chores. And they're not going anywhere, no, so it's no. no point like they can really... wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um Sean, like one of the things which I really wanted to kind of do a good deep dive with you was just like you take it to the nth degree and I look at it and I admire it and I also am a little bit intimidated by the types of of adventures and stuff that you managed to tick off I mean of course you are the I'm gonna say co-founder am I right of Lactic Turkey who subsequently took it over yeah you know you guys put on a number of events for people but you had the Hillary but as I understand it, you actually did a trillery. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so you took that 80k and you timed it by three and you ran it. (laughs) It had to be done. (laughs) Apparently so. Um, And obviously there's the Revenant, which you described as your bestest and most perfect run ever. Yep. So I'd love to talk to you about <laughs> about that. And then, of course, last year when COVID put a, a nail in the coffin for almost every single event. And I think for you, you were planning to go to India. Was that yeah, right? Yeah.
1: So to the a race de la Ultra, which is five hundred and fifty-five k's up at sort of five thousand meters above sea level. So that was meant to be in August. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, and instead you took yourself off for a jog around Auckland
1: <laughs> yeah a <we> jog <laughs> yeah
0: so yeah you, you have this love for the outdoors you you know your adventures you you do an adventure and you just want to continue to challenge yourself where does the I guess the motivation and drive for these really long events come from for you Sean
1: it's pushing the trying to find my limit yeah Um, to some degree but as as well as so that's I guess on the internal side on the external side it's finding like looking at finding new places and exploring yeah and so I don't like to do a race like over and over like again the same same thing try and spread it around yeah and the yeah the longer adventures is finding that limit and just pushing you learn so much and you know it's a puzzle trying to put all the different facets of a big adventure like that or a a big race um to get it all perfectly right yeah and so each time you're like tinker with something and then you you want to try again so that you can tinker on what didn't work last time so yeah yeah and so it's a vicious circle you you (laughs) might say that you keep keep trying and trying to improve everything Mm. and by doing that you know that you can go longer because i did 200ks last year so i'll do 300ks the next year amazing (laughs) so it just keeps going from that and i think for me that started um after our after our OE and came back to New Zealand, and um, a mutual mate of ours, Phil, um, invited me to do an adventure race out at Coromandel. Um, yeah. It was meant to be a twenty four hour race, and so mountain biking, kayaking, running, and you know navigation and stuff. And I hadn't been training, and I had the the Heathrow injection, so I was a bit larger <laughs> <laughs> than I used to be. Um, but I I was keen as to do it, and we spent hours with this horrible uh surf ski double surf ski that we kept falling out of so we're like right at the back of the field and no time because we kept falling out and that ended up taking 36 hours and so (laughs) because that race um either had a short year or a long year that the the organizers got into a pattern of doing and so Like, I wasn't prepared for a 36-hour race. I was thinking it's about 24. Mm. But after that, then the next thing that comes along, oh, I've done 36 hours, and I didn't have any experience at doing it. Yeah. And I wasn't fit or, like, training for that. So the next thing, oh, that's easy. I've already done 36 hours. And so it just sort of (laughs) gets bigger and bigger like that.
0: Yeah. And so that was a multi-sport event. When I met you, Sean, many moons ago... I believe it was out somewhere in Titerangi, we were at someone's house and there was some epic kind of orienteering adventure going on. We had mutual friends and Rachel and Rebecca Smith yep, and yep. Darren Ashmore and of course Phil. So did you kind of have that orienteering multi sport background and then we just kind of moved to running or or has running always been kind of the back the backdrop in all of this? Yeah, or? running's
1: been the main action that I've done so through school and and then I got into orienteering. And so that was obviously that's running, but mm. it's also got the mental aspect as well. And so I did that at a at a New Zealand rep level as a junior.
2: Yeah.
1: And then into the seniors and coached the junior development squad. Um so I was right on there and like in committees and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then did the travel thing and so the orienteering and, and, and running running was just some recreational running. Mm. And so I got back to New Zealand after that, and the orienteering did a little bit of, but as family came along, um, there was less time for that. And I got into adventure racing. Yeah. And did that for two or three years. Yeah. Um, mainly 24 to sort of 40 hour races. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, uh, yeah, it sort of went from there. The family really kicked in, and so that had to go.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and so it was just pure running from then and getting longer and longer.
0: Yeah, nice and um the ultras yeah and in quite a big way and before (laughs) we um before we uh kick this off i asked you whether you had a coach and scotty hawke is your coach Mm. yeah so
1: um i got in touch with scotty a couple of years ago for a couple of reasons um one for motivation i guess because someone else telling you how to what to do Mm. every morning um gets you out the door and I know how to make a plan and I've done plans for other people and all that so it was more having his ideas telling me what to do mm. and also from his international experience and, and races of you know the longer distances and in Europe and that uh, getting some of that experience fed into me through his coaching yeah. and it's very much a, you know we catch up every week um so the plan is only weekly, we don't have a like a six month plan or anything. Mm. Um, so he's chopping and changing it based on how I'm feeling in our chats. Yeah, no, that's
0: awesome. Uh, yeah.
1: So it's really cool. And I know that he gets coached by um David Roach, mm-hmm. um, who coaches lots of elites in the Trail Running World and some of that stuff trickles down through Scotty through to me. Yeah, so it's it's having that extra experience and at a at a high long level Mm. that you can gain all sorts of little tidbits from
0: absolutely for you sean is having a coach also beneficial does he hold you back where he sees you need to be held back is it is that a thing for you or i only say that because i look at the epic adventures you do and go (laughs) mate that takes a real special kind of person to want to get out there for 40 50 plus Do you need to be held back, or actually, that's not a thing for you?
1: A little bit, yeah. I think I set out what I want to do, mm. and usually I've got a plan for the year, mm. a rough plan for the year, yeah, yeah. And it might change a little bit. Um, and I'm not doing these adventures every every month or whatever. Like I'll pick and choose. So, and I'm a big fan of having a decent recovery afterwards, yeah. So that the body recovers and the mind actually, I, I prefer those big recoveries more for the head that you get over that training as a becoming a chore type thing, I yeah, guess. Yeah, sure. So you're recovering from the, the epic mission, but also from that grind of training leading up to the mission. Yeah. So you usually we lay out a plan, and he's really good at saying, well, yep, that he has a couple of times said, oh, that might be a bit much. Yeah. Um, but generally he, he's keen to work around it. <laughs> I mean, an example is the little challenge that my wife and I have set out to do the Karamatua hill up to Mount Donald McLean. Oh yeah. So we're doing one of those plus one a month. So okay. by, by December we'll have to do 12 reps of it.
0: So now how long would one of those take you? Uh,
1: so today we did two and it was just under three hours. Awesome. And 1,200 metres vert. Awesome. So that's two for February and three for be three for march and yeah just keep yeah. building up and so i mentioned that just in a conversation with scotty and he's like oh yeah um can you maybe let me know when during the month they're gonna be so that we can plan around it so yeah no, he's flexible and he knows uh he's gotten to know me quite well as far as my recovery times and yeah that it is a reasonably quick recovery usually yeah. and that i am aware of pacing so that's a a sort of a side challenge that i'm not going to be pushing yeah to get fast times or anything it's just to get it done and have some fun
0: completion yeah so two for february three for march four, four for april. april just so i'm clear in december we'll be doing 12 is 12, that yeah. mate that 12. sounds awesome <laughs> see see with me i hear that and go that is an epic adventure and i've just clocked that and i'll be talking to baz later about but equally, I also know that I'm just as likely to wake up tomorrow and go, oh, what the hell? No way I was <laughs> going to you? do that. Why would yeah, you? Yeah, why would you? Um, Joan, and I- that's
1: quite cool. Um, so from that, because um, I've only posted about it on like, the Strava Runs of it, yes, but it's amazing that people say, Oh, that's an amazing thing, I'm going to do something similar, but um, obviously not uh, to the extreme. But they're gonna like that, they like that challenge of increasing one a month of whatever rep they're doing, yes, to slowly build up during the year, yeah. And that sort of comes back to the um, you mentioned about some people, you know. It's quite foreign to go out on an adventure and go do something like the Revenant tour, even go for a, you know, more than a three hour run in the bush that isn't on roads. Yeah. But it's just that experience. Like, one of the reasons that I share lots about what I do is because I I know that it helps motivate people and you get feedback from people saying, oh, that was so cool. And I went out the next day and did this. And, yeah. And so it's cool to to help that process and encourage people, like, you know, find a mate that has done it and yep. go with them a couple of times and you slowly build up the experience you yeah it doesn't matter if you grew up in urban <laughs> yeah with no running or tramping or anything and you were stuck your head in a book till you're 14 yeah but yeah you get with people that have done it and you mm. pick up those skills
0: absolutely yeah. and I, I can imagine from a motivational perspective that must help motivate you as well knowing that your adventures really help kind of you know bring other people up and help them kind of Uh, you know get in amongst it and do it themselves yeah
1: and it really came home after doing that round Auckland thing yes because I was really amazed at how many people had seen that on the news and even while we were running we are like it's awesome and then speaking to we went for I went for a recovery walk a couple of days afterwards yeah and this guy walked past us with his dog and then he turned back around sort of as we'd walked past and goes are you that guy that ran around Auckland? That's, that's awesome. I saw you do that. And then I went out for a run and I haven't run for 10 years. And, it's like, and it happens so often and it, you know, get such a buzz out of it. Yeah, that's that, so that great. There's a side, like I get awesome enjoyment of doing it. Yeah, but yeah. But then you've got the side thing of encouraging others to do it.
0: Yeah. So, like, I do really want to chat to you about The Revenant, but because you mentioned it, what inspired you to circumnavigate Auckland?
1: <laughs> <laughs> On foot. On foot, in one time.
0: In one time. Was um, it training for the the, the, ult, the Backyard Ultra that was coming up? Or was it actually, or was it the fact that you couldn't do India or?
1: Yeah, it was a replacement. I'd always wanted to do it. Mm. So the year before that, I ran all the volcanoes in Auckland. Yeah. Um, so there's 57 volcanoes. So I ran between them and then up and down them all in, in one go. That's right. And it was just under 200 k's and while I was doing that I was thinking well what's next and Mm. that's when I thought about doing the circumnavigation of Auckland and so I was using the, the housing as a boundary when you look at it on a sort of a satellite view yeah and that was or to get some extra distance and to explore you know heaps of areas that I hadn't been to before and trying to make use of as many like trails as I could find along that along that route yeah and so, in the once the COVID thing kicked in, and India obviously wasn't going to happen, then that, I switched straight to, to that thing that I might do sometime to be. Oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what kind of training did that involve?
1: So lots of these things, I don't kick in with heaps of extra. So that was 305 k's. Yeah. And you can't really train for 305 k's. And so it's more just lots of quality sessions to have some strength and I know that I've got a massive base so there's no need to do lots of Ks. Yeah. I mean I don't have time for it. Yeah. (laughs) So all of my training for all of these things is, you know, um, before the Auckland thing, six hours might have been the longest session that i had done. Yeah. Um, Because I know that I've done much longer than that so I don't need to train to to have that under the belt yeah so it's more quality stairs and hills and so that I'm strong and can just keep going
0: yeah and uh every day do you train like do you have a day off What's uh, your... yeah
1: I have two days off yeah a week yeah nice Fridays and Mondays yeah cool. and yeah that's pretty much otherwise it's every yeah in the mornings before first wake up five o'clock
0: yeah yeah before the day gets started yeah. it's the best part really strength work outside of stairs, hills, do you hit the gym? Do you chuck some tin? What's your
1: Um, no, I do some just body weight stuff nice. Around home.
0: Yeah.
1: and there's a time where I wasn't doing it. Just got out of the habit. Yeah. <laughs> um, after like resting for a bit and then did my back in again. I thought, Oh it <laughs> will <That'll> learn you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just constantly doing cool work and yeah. um some Pilates stuff with my wife Madeline and Yeah, around home. Yeah, nice. And staying on top of that so that can keep nice and strong.
0: Yeah, sure. So let's switch gears and go to the Revenant. Can you describe to people what type of race this is? It's quite an epic event, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And it was modelled on the Barclay Marathons, some say it's the New Zealand's version of it, but there's quite a few differences that make it quite unique. Mm -hmm. So it's basically four loops that are around 50k each Mm -hmm. and 4,000 metres vertical each, so total of 200k's and it's meant to be 16,000 metres in that time Mm -hmm. and you've got some, you have to do all of it in 60 hours but there's a 30-hour cut-off for the um, first two loops as well. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, fifteen hours for the next cutoff. But you're having to navigate around. So it's not a, a course with arrows following a trail. Mm. Um you're up in the um tussock lands and using a mapping compass to get from around these fourteen checkpoints. Mm. And so you do one loop of those fourteen and then you come back to base and stock up with food and water and everything. Yeah and then you go back the opposite direction. Wow. And it's self, so the difference is to Barclays is self-supported. Yeah. So when you get back to base, you've got a bag and you do everything yourself to get ready and have a meal or whatever. Yeah. And then you head out again. Yeah. So that's quite unique. And then it's an individual thing. In the first year, they had some teams of two people that stuck together the whole time. That's right. And there's only been four finishes to it now. Amazing. Yeah.
0: And so as I said earlier you described this as you know one of your best runs what did the training look like leading up I mean I know you just described your general training plan was there like what kind of hours would go in for you on a week by week basis and how long were you planning with that as the goal in mind
1: yeah so it's sort of been because i did it the year before so it's sort of from i knew i'd go back and do it again because i knew that it could be finished yeah Um, because you
0: didn't finish the first year
1: no so nobody finished the first year that's right i think a lot of it was unknown
0: yeah
1: yeah i guess everyone didn't know what to expect yeah we started it uh like Oh, I think it was like eleven o'clock and twelve o'clock in the night. Yeah. And it was foggy, so you couldn't see more than three or four meters in front of you. Yeah. And it was like mist, so you, you walked that four meters through high tussock that was sort of up to your hip height. Yeah. And so you are instantly drenched, and so that was the start of this race that we were trying to navigate. Yeah. <laughs> through that, and so it was just a, it was just a beast of a thing. Yeah. And some of the checkpoints, um, people had trouble finding. Yeah. Sort of once you got to the area, you're, so, you're looking for a little lunchbox-sized plastic container which has got a book on that you pull out your your relevant page so that's yeah. how you know that you've got there. Yes. And trying to, like, we, people could get to the general area but then trying to find this little thing yeah. in the in the fog and rain. And yeah. It was quite full on. And the thing that got, so I got... Uh, one and a half laps um, the furthest someone got two laps but outside of the cut off time yeah and then there's a couple of us that did like one and a half laps one and three quarter laps yeah and the thing that got to me in the end was the I think it was mental exhaustion more yeah. than physical yeah because the pace you're not going super fast yeah but in that case because you are because of the bad weather and stuff you were navigating the whole time so you're concentrating yeah. the whole time yeah and that's something that I really worked on for the year before the next one
0: yeah and so as an event director did you look back on your experience and and kind of think if this was my event I'd do things differently am I oh. able to ask like <laughs> like were there a lot of those kind of questions in your head and, and things going around after that first event yes yeah and yeah. they always do it, it doesn't matter mm. if it's
1: a little 5k run or whatever you're always thinking oh you should could do this and this yeah. but in that race um some of the checkpoints are a little bit out as far as their placement yeah um so they weren't quite right yeah and of course my orientarian background and there was a couple of other orientarian guys there as well that's frustrating that you know you're in the right place but the thing isn't isn't there yeah and so you get you start to like oh, start panicking mm. and it's just taking more and more of your energy i guess yeah and so yeah it was quite frustrating after that because yeah. there's like two or three checkpoints where there is slightly wrong or yeah um or it was a real mission a lucky so th- that was the frustrating thing it was a lucky dip so instead of you navigate to the right spot you'd find the thing yes it's more you'd never get to the right spot and then it's a treasure hunt that you used to do it mm. at kids parties to try and find it rather than being skill
0: yeah yeah and
1: so that yeah that got frustrating
0: yeah so sean you said that you worked on that mental toughness for the next year leading up to your next event what kind of things would you have done to help i suppose strengthen that part of it for you
1: uh so i was doing lots of i like to i'm quite analytical and i'll be like a dog with a bone to go and research yeah <laughs> and listening to podcasts all on like mental toughness and yeah and sort of brain training and all that sort of stuff yeah um and so it's doing more practice so um, doing mental work yeah before you go for a run so that you're you're tired mentally as as you go for a run so you're getting used to that yeah and and then lots of self-talk and i didn't do too much visualization but sorts of like positive self-talk and Mm. and those sorts of things Mm, so that when things started to go wrong then you wouldn't incur energy by stressing about it yeah like bring yourself back down and and i did quite a bit of meditation and that sort of stuff as well to Know, just have some keywords that can come back yeah nice and um and your yeah, breathing sort of breathing exercises too yeah cool and i found that really good for pain <laughs> distraction from yeah 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 when i did with the auckland circumnavigation i had really bad achilles issues from 30k onwards yeah and oh at, mate. <laughs> and about 200ks um it was really bad and like um my daughter was crying when I was leaving the aid station because I was like hobbling away and oh, she's like how's gonna do it um and it was just like breathing through it and like focusing on that breathing yeah um to get through the pain and and I found eventually the pain disappeared amazing and so the achilles was still swollen and you know you take your shoe off and touch it and it's like oh. but uh, actually do the job of running yeah um it was like it was gone for the last 80 k's it was was quite amazing
0: that is amazing really
1: powerful for like oh well the next time i do something and i know what to do
0: (laughs) yeah do you know i have heard that and probably even experienced it you know when you turn up at the start of a race and you're like not quite sure if my calf's gonna hold or my hips you know my hammy's not gonna give me grief and and actually just the whole the the fact that you're in that environment and your head is switched towards more of a you know you're focusing on the end goal suddenly it's almost like everything else kind of clouds and you've just got that one single focus and
1: so you're not focusing or being distracted by that yeah that pain yeah yeah and your body knows that you can keep going because you've had that sore calf and you've trained through it yeah and so it's not gonna like your body's gonna keep going to finish the race yeah because now you're focusing on the race rather than that that pain Yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing stuff
0: it is and that um training your kind of that mental fatigue I have read papers um talking about this idea of doing complex like cryptic crossword puzzles or things which you find fatiguing to help you get through those longer events just because your brain is you know because so much of it is mental
1: yes yeah and um so lots of the research i was doing was looking at the perceived effort nice and how you can um if you do training and those sorts of things that you're trying to trick the brain to say oh, well, actually you're not tired yeah you're not going to die yeah you can keep going further. Yeah. And you know, there's so many examples of it all around um, the research and stuff. Yeah. And the more you dive into it, the more you see and kinda realize oh, that's true actually. Yeah, yeah. Um and so yeah, it's trying to find different ways that you can extend your brain's thought of the perceived effort so yeah. that you can stretch longer and longer.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'm actually
1: beat um beta testing uh um some devices that you can take running um, for brain endurance training. Oh wow! Um, and it's all set up for cycling, but they're just getting them to trying to do the same for running. Yeah. And so the way it works at the moment with these running ones is I've got two little VACRO straps with buttons in them, on each hand. Awesome. And you're listening for different tones. So based on the tone, you press the right right side or the left side, or yeah. long press the right side or long press the left side. And so the tones get faster and they switch around. Yeah. And so it scores you. And so yeah. you're, as you're running, just doing your normal training, you're like mentally challenging yourself. Oh, wow. And it gets harder and harder.
0: Yeah. And so is the the idea of it as you're going along and you're, you're hooked into this system and you're uh, trying to kind of score as high as you can, over time, the more you practice, is it that kind of the more mentally kind of tough you probably yeah, end you up... to go further and yeah further. yeah makes sense yeah yeah awesome sean sure. yeah, so you're awful. you're testing this right now yeah so what's the company you are you uh, it's say, called or... rewire okay
1: and so they have the similar for cycling yeah um and there's a whole lot of research behind it to develop um these so on the cycling when you're looking at i can't remember what the test is called but so it comes up it puts on the screen a color written yeah But the what's written, so it might say green, but it's in red.
0: And you've got to say that it's
1: say what what colour the writing is versus what colour you're seeing. Interesting. And so, but you're doing the same sort of thing, but on a on a wind train or Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. So they've developed both the cycling and the running one, and just better testing the running one before they. And there's an app that goes with it, so you're um you're recording your scores, um so you can see some improvement. Yeah. And there's also you do a daily fatigue assessment at the start of the day yeah um
2: nice
1: so it's sort of it's testing your reaction time yeah cool. first thing in the morning and then it matches or pairs that with you know what sessions you did the day before and how you're feeling physically and mentally and that's yeah, great it's, cool. it's kind and of for someone like me who's like really analytical and loves data and yes stuff, it's quite cool
0: <laughs> yeah totally i can just imagine so many of my clients like they're endurance athletes and they've they use hrv yeah they've, they've yep. got training peaks you know They're all about Garmin. I'm all about Garmin. I quite like counting my steps, so that's actually my most (laughs) important metric. But this would just add another element to it. It would be really interesting to combine the score of something like Rewire from what you might get a readout on your physical stress Score or from your aura ring or something like that. Yes,
1: and so the um the fatigue assessment takes into account your like your um, resting heart rate and nice and yeah other data from other devices pulls yeah. into that so that you can start to it suggests what you should be doing that day as far as um physically but also mentally as far as doing some meditation or um uh, like oral um listening and stuff yeah yeah patterns and things
0: so. You're beta testing this now. Any idea of when it will be out for the running side of things? Because obviously it's available already for cycling.
1: Yes, yeah, So um, at the Rewire website. And yeah, I'm not sure when the running one is going to be mainstream and available.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. It'll yeah. be a watch the space. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sean, the, you obviously spent a long time in that kind of mental side of things. You also mentioned on your Facebook post, when I was stalking your Facebook page, <laughs> that you know, everything went according to plan during the Revenant, including your nutrition. So obviously, it's not just the nutrition on the day, which I'd love to ask you about my will. But generally speaking, how did you prepare from a nutrition standpoint in the lead up to an event like this?
1: Sort of the year before that, I had been doing sort of low-ish carb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and um higher fats or quality fats leading up to the trillery actually. Yeah. Um, but sorta, of, you know, not really tight about it and um still enjoying beers and things. Mm. And um had been finding good results from that as far as uh how long I could go without needing um to eat yeah. or drink. So yeah. extending those time frames, which is always good as far as weight. That you have to carry especially yeah. on things like the revenant yeah, because um, you're self-supported um, but also as far as the body how it's feeling and stuff and so lots of the training that I do is first thing in the morning mm-hmm. or during the week it's first thing in the morning and um, fasting so no eating beforehand mm-hmm. and that can be up to two two and a half hours and include like quality sessions and I'd found f- sort of as I trained up for that yeah uh that i could go do more and more and having less effect on on my energy levels and things nice so i put it on with a couple of years with that and it was quite good yeah and but then three weeks before the revenant my wife and i decided that we'd like dive all in and go low carb properly
0: yeah and hang on three weeks before successful revenant or uh,
1: successful revenant yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 and um and dive all in and go really low carb and get rid of you know um all of this like stuff that we were still having yeah so we were healthy eating and whole foods and all of that but still having you know lots of potatoes and rice and and some bread not too much yeah and so getting rid of all of that and um for me it was like a sort of a next level experience as far as the impact that it had on me yeah and um, positive impact yeah amazing and some weight dropped off or quite a bit of weight dropped off um, in that three weeks uh a little bit in the three weeks yeah but definitely in the two two months after yeah and my wife had some um you know some usual teething things that you have nausea and stuff when yeah you, when you dive all in <laughs> yeah yeah um but I, I was lucky that i didn't and so during the revenant found that i didn't have to eat nearly as much um so it's less to carry but also what i was eating like nuts lots of nuts and and stuff it was yeah it just lasted a long time and and seemed to be perfect like no low low patches from no low energy patches yeah um from the nutritional hydration um so it was magic (laughs) yeah
0: it's amazing eh so i don't think mads will mind me saying on here that she's Like people often equate keto for women as just complete no go, and as a nutritionist, I have to moderate a bit of what I say on social media because I know that if I say yeah keto's fine for some women, people will read it as keto is a must do for all women, you (laughs) know, and then you'll get a lot of backlash. But certainly when we we were talking, Mads was like you know just it's really helped with her energy, and you know she said that she struggles to maintain her weight, and this has actually helped her gain and keep on you know, muscle and undoubtedly would be beneficial for bone and, and stuff like that. So I think people are quick to dis- to um, bash keto for women. Yeah. But actually for some people, it can really benefit. And equally, of course, for a guy, there's almost less question, really, and particularly in light of the types of events that you do, Sean. Yes. You know, yep. the longer it is, the more suited it is to do a ketogenic approach, you know you are able to delay the use of glycogen once you adapt and you know it sounds to me like that low carb and that extended aerobic base really lent itself well for you once you kind of went all in
1: yes that yep. actually it was
0: a pretty quick shift for you
1: yeah and i think that was the difference maybe between madeline and i that i was all right with it probably because i already had been doing lots of stuff yeah first thing in the mornings without without food yeah um yeah, so it just in the natural progression. Nice to get those next levels.
0: So now I'm going to ask you, obviously as a nutritionist, so what would your typical day look like in terms of food? So
1: in the morning that's like eggs or like no grain cereal. Yeah, good smoothie maybe.
0: Yeah. When you say good smoothie, what's in your good smoothie?
1: Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Or is it Mads's <laughs> no, magic keto Usually it's me making it. Oh nice. Um, so uh, lots of different nuts, yeah. um, coconut oil, banana and berries. Nice. And then maybe a couple of dates, but
0: Yeah. A bit delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And so prior to that you probably would have gone for a run? And do you get up and run, or do you get up, coffee and run? Uh, you...
1: no, just get up and run. Nice, yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, come back and then have a coffee. Yeah. And then usually half an hour or something later, yeah. something to eat.
0: Yeah. Then what's the next? When's the next time you eat after that, Sean? And and what? Uh,
1: what it would be lunchtime, with? and yeah. it's usually like salads and different things nice yeah sometimes it's a bit tricky so when i'm working in the office which is um, my boss's house in yeah town, <laughs> yeah and um, then lunch is whatever yeah. um so we get lunch there which yeah. is quite cool yeah um, but you know that would be outside of um there'll be cabs in there yeah yeah and i just have it because it's yeah. free and they'll take it totally i get yeah <laughs> i'll just have a smaller portion of it than yeah. everyone else and then um dinner says yeah we try and mix it up with all sorts of things but madeline and i will have um kumara or pumpkin or whatever instead yeah. of um, potatoes that the girls might have yeah nice and quinoa and yeah
0: yeah that sounds great and i think you know you've really described like quite an appropriate approach for someone who does the amount of training that you do as well and people often mistake the idea of keto and endurance athletes as oh, absolutely no vegetables no carbs no tomatoes no onions like, on, like people won't go near a tomato <laughs> um, but because you know it's a it's ketogenesis it's your body in that ketogenic state which in part is all about the glycogen depletion so you can still be in ketosis and i don't know whether or not you measured and actually you don't even need to when you are going out and doing the type of training that you're doing and that's the difference between an athlete and a sedentary person i think
1: yeah 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 and so and during and during the longer stuff then i'll hook into some gels or whatever yeah, i need nice. to like not shy to yeah do that while i'm exercising yeah it was quite good listening to your um discussion with that but uh, yeah around that uh, he phases things so that it's not like total no carbs it's sort of up and down depending on where he's at with his training and racing and
0: yeah totally so what is what did the food look like for you on the revenant
1: i had quite a big bag of nuts and dried fruit that i nibbled on yeah nice and then i'd have some wraps with nut butters in them spinach yeah um what by itself (laughs) by itself oh yeah Um, and i so i had a bag of spinach in my support bag so that when i got back i'd have something and that was amazing people laughed at it because see me eating this just shoving the spinach in yeah but it's so nice after being um you know having sort of racy racy food to yeah, have something yeah. fresh and crunchy and yeah. green that's really good um and then like uh just a can of tuna and yeah some nut butters and things
0: yeah but your stomach was completely fine yeah
1: yep amazing yeah, no issues at all yeah and i've got a reasonably strong stomach in that respect
0: that's fortunate eh? yeah yeah yep. and your, did, were you on a regular schedule with regards to fueling or did you do it as
1: by feel uh, as, as I felt like it. Yeah. Um, I'd be aware of how much I'd taken out on, so I had a big plastic bag for each loop. Yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> and um, Just so yeah, over. I was sort of making sure that I was trying to get through that whole big bag of stuff. Yeah, nice. Um, I was mixing yeah, water and tailwind because it was really hot. Yeah. Um, so using tailwind as the, as the drink. And I... Make up. A, I have one bottle that's a really concentrate tailwind that I just yeah. take sips of and oh, then wash cool. it down with some water. Yeah, that's great. Um, so that I can refill the water bottles heaps and and not have to worry about the tailwind. Yeah. Bottle heaps.
0: Yeah, that's great. And is it that you felt great the entire time, or were you just that actually you were just super happy with the management of how you felt, and uh, at the end of it, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I think I actually felt great for most of it.
0: Amazing. Um,
1: usually in those things, you you have ups and lows and highs mm. and and you get used to the lows that you, you know just to keep pushing because you come out of it and yeah. and have a high. Um, but in that one actually I, I don't think I had many lows at all. Yeah. Um, I did the first lap and a half with Tom Hunt. Yes. Um, so we sorted together. And then he exploded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and had some make shoes Yeah. And was like cramping all over. And after that I was by myself for the rest of it. So another two and a half and half laps so yeah that that management side of that and uh, just feeling good the the whole way yeah yeah that's why i say it was my perfect yeah because <laughs> everything just seemed to go right like the legs didn't cramp or or feel too tight you know there's there's fatigue but yeah. not like damage yeah um and the nutrition was good the lots of people struggled with the heat yeah and my heat management was great like every opportunity i got i'd dunk uh my hat into the cool streams awesome. and a or something can and put that on and that would keep me going. Yeah. And people just weren't doing that at the start and that accumulates that heat side of things and yeah. and then when you're you're um, struggling. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was perfect and the sleep um the sleep was probably the one thing that could have been a little bit better.
0: Yeah. So how do you manage that on an <laughs> event like Revenant?
1: Because I've done quite a few of those big things that yeah. I know that I can keep going and then I'll take a five minute power nap. Like we uh, on the side of the track.
0: Do you set your alarm? What's the story?
1: Uh, yeah, we can at the Revenant, There's no watches allowed, so there's no alarms. Of course. <laughs> so it's a bit of a, a guessing process. Yeah. But in the past I've had these five to ten power naps, and it's just an instant recharge and it'll keep you going for another 12 hours or whatever
0: like for real yeah I just can't even imagine that because maybe it's because I'm not much of a napper and so I probably <laughs> just need more practice right
1: yeah no I'm not a napper like I hate sleeping during the day yeah but the instant energy that you get and it was most pronounced during the trillery about 26 hours and yeah um I was sleepwalking effectively and I was starting to walk yes. off the side of the track right. and I had some people um supporting me and like running with me yeah um or walking with me yeah and I said no I've got to stop and have a sleep and these guys hadn't um, seen this before or done this long stuff before to know that it happened yeah so they said are hey, you sure like and so no I need to so I just lay down across the track literally with my head on my pack yeah and said wake me up in five minutes and they're like only five minutes and then um they sort of five minutes later which felt like half an hour to me oh bless um they softly nudged me like do you want to wake up and said, yep and i got up and took off down the karamatua hill yeah and they were having trouble keeping up and they just like yeah. afterwards they said they saw me and i thought because they ran t- to meet me yeah i said we thought you were out there that that was it Amazing. but after that sleep you're like you were gone. we couldn't keep up
0: right so so i wondered how people manage stuff like that during an event that is so long and of course much more challenging if you don't have a watch did you just have to like when you knew you needed to stop and sleep yep. did you just do it
1: you just had it and and hope that you didn't mm-hmm. cark out um <laughs> Allies, i'd take yeah. some layers off so that that the cold would wake me up eventually. yeah nice yeah um the first year i had a sleep on the side of a hill <laughs> and i kind of had my hand up looking at the moon to try and work out like or the moon's move this much, yeah, so yeah. that might be half an hour, an hour or something. Yeah. But it wasn't very scientific. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea how long I slept. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure that they were sort of 5 to 15 minutes max. That's awesome. And then you get up and you're yeah, away. Yeah. But I think I left it too late, so that's why I say um, yeah. I had some wicked hallucinations. Interesting. And more vivid and hard out than i've had in the past yeah yeah so i think that probably slowed me down a little bit um yeah so sleeping a little bit earlier might have been more beneficial
0: yeah what kind of things were you saying (laughs) can you can you tell
1: uh yeah so it started off uh running up a a, like a four-wheel drive track with lots of dry grass and the ruts of it yeah and that dry grass is like you know it's Broken off and it's lying on the ground, sort of just crisscrossed or whatever. But that was as I was making my way up the hill, it would start to form structures, so like nice shapes. Oh yeah. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Like the the bugs or beetles or something could like move the yeah, yeah. the dry grass stalks into shapes. <laughs> yeah. And then it became like full on scenes, like a, a little town made oh. out of these.
0: <laughs> Amazing. And
1: and then it became writing and stuff.
0: That's when you're and like near? you're thinking. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> these bugs aren't these this smart <laughs> and then yeah just seeing thing like a rock in the distance yeah. think, oh that's a person cheering me on it's what
2: well, do you think and
1: you get up there and it's a rock
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: but the 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 most vivid was uh, there's a section that the nokamaya river which is a hard out river with lots of rocks and that that you're sc- scampering over to get up and hearing and then seeing these two guys on like um oxes pulling uh old school white caravan yeah down this river that's full of boulders and things and yeah. like seeing it and Amazing. hearing that it it's coming towards you yeah and then i went around the corner and like instantly gone but i could have sworn that it was coming down towards me. oh mate it's like crazy
0: and that's when and in your head you were like okay i think i need a stay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think yeah. you've
1: reached you limit.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and caffeine any caffeine
1: uh only through the tailwind yeah 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 okay. And so i have a use the caffeinated stuff yeah um, at that time yeah to keep going a little bit further yeah
0: do you know i've uh, recently just chatted to fleur cushman from currens who is the that's the new zealand black currant supplement uh, yeah. and i feel pretty sold actually after talking to her about the potential benefits for athletes in your situation because of the so much of the research supports its anti-fatigue increases oxygen in the in the muscles helps with alertness and, and things like that Dougal Allen just just used oh, yeah, it yep. as part of his Coast to Coast win oh, cool. as Sam Manson I think he came second he also yeah. is a current ambassador i reckon sean if you were looking uh, for anything yeah. to add to your uh, repertoire you should reach out to them yeah yeah yeah
1: because yeah, you're always looking for more natural ways of not just staying awake but being alert and yeah yeah <laughs> totally and being onto it um, yeah. so that you're not making bad decisions <laughs>
0: that and that for something like the revenant where so much of it is based on your decision making
1: yeah so important eh? and that decision might be the navigating side of things but then and other um more like solo missions or whatever it might be being alert to not fall down a cliff or whatever (laughs) 100% yeah Yeah,
0: for sure so you had the revenant then i believe did we go into covid go into lockdown quite yes yeah yeah a
1: couple of months later a
0: couple of months later you had your circumnavigate Auckland and then Riverhead relapse was you that was that was postponed, I believe, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: so the first time it was meant to happen in April. That's right. Um, oh, that's like a right. week. So a week after lockdown. Yeah. And then we rescheduled it to August, and lockdown was two days before it. That's right. <laughs> and so postponed again. Um, so hopefully this April, maybe fingers crossed and touching heaps of wood around here. Yeah. Um, that will be on. But there was the big backyard sort of virtual event that we did in October.
0: That's right. That and how was that?
1: Uh, so that was great. It ended up being my Achilles again that that stopped me. Yeah. So the Auckland circumnavigation really flared that up. Because there was so much more road yeah. like, pavementy stuff, it was yeah. more urban.
0: It makes a massive difference the terrain you run on, eh? Yeah, it does. Yeah.
1: And I've got one leg longer than the other, like um, me significantly. Yeah. And so all the terrain stuff that I do it that's not noticeable. But yeah, we think that because it's more pavement then that difference is throwing out my body in lots of different ways. Yeah. And so that's putting or well, eventually pressure on the Achilles. Yeah, yeah. So I've got orthotics to correct that balance now and, and now we're just trying to untangle the the calves and tightness. Yeah. <laughs> to hopefully get that right again.
0: Yeah. Nice. Sean, you mentioned your challenge that you have with Mads, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you've recently come back from a big kind of challenge with Matt Bailey.
1: Yes, yeah, a little adventure. And so I want to do a lot more of those this year. So the next race that I'm focusing on, the Blue Lake Challenge, twenty-four hour challenge. Yes. Yeah, so I want to go as far as I can in that. Yeah. I did it in two thousand eighteen. Awesome. And I sort of wanted to do a mile to get the you get a a flask belt buckle. Is oh, the, um, trophy fabulous. trophy doing the miler. Yes. So, so that's what I focused on and I stopped when I pretty much just after I'd got to the mile.
0: So you could have actually gone further. And
1: that was in 19 hours, three quarters. So I still had some hours to go. Oh, yeah. Um. So I still think that the, there's a the trophy called the claw... For doing two hundred k's in the twenty four hours, I've seen
0: that actually someone yeah. posted, someone tagged you in a post on Facebook. <laughs> they did. Yes, they laid down
1: the challenge. They did. But I, I don't want to set a limit saying I want to do two hundred k's. I just want to go as far as I can. Yeah, cool. And knowing how far I've gone in the past, yeah, and that I'm fitter than I was then, yeah. Um, so I just want to, yeah, get over over 200 and yeah said a bench stone for me as to more of a speed thing rather than all these other things that I've done where it's a finishing a long distance thing
0: yeah that sounds epic and yeah. if you know when I speak to the likes of yourself I get very motivated but like I say I then wake <laughs> up the next day and I'm like no what don't just put me on my elliptical I'll just go on that for 20 minutes thank you very much you might have
1: to say it out loud while you're on the podcast and then you can't back away from it
0: you know what you're <laughs> right actually sean and in fact what i have said i would do on the podcast is do this um across the lake swim next weekend in taupua 4.2k oh which, like my typical swimming distance would be 4.2k over two weeks <laughs> so uh i've been putting in some uh, a few extra kilometers in the in the swim but I know you're right and actually as I speak to you about it it seems much more achievable to do the long stuff because you talk about it in a way that is achievable for pretty much anyone really like you of course it's always priorities you've got to navigate that space with running with family with work and I'm not saying that if any, if you can do it anyone can do it but certainly you've talked to us about some of the things you've used to help overcome some of those challenges that we all face you know
1: yeah definitely it it's a lot more achievable than people think yeah and, you know you go to the office and people say what oh, did you do on the weekend are around 100ks and wow you must be crazy like i can i can't drive 100 miles <laughs> <laughs> and um but it is like it's those slow steps to build up the distance yeah. and, and the tools yeah. um we had the tarawia, ultra marathon and the the weekend being just before and some people that i know are donut makes and that is like ramming home to them beforehand like you know just tick off the basics food yeah. nutrition pace at the start and yeah and the rest of it or look after itself and so it's it's having that in the background those, yeah. that, that knowledge that your body can just keep going and going and yeah, you don't have sure. to be a superstar
0: yeah and what I really love Sean about how you approach it and just your general approach is that you might go out and do these epic hundreds of kilometres but you can also see that for some people their epic adventure is that 10 kilometer, ten kilometres on the trails or you know, uh, you know doing park run every Saturday you know you yeah, really yeah. see the challenge for so many people and you motivate so many people on every level which is awesome
1: yeah and, and that's what motivates me to organize the event side of things yeah when people ask like why do you organize events and that's all about getting giving people that opportunity yeah and I guess uh, a lot of the time because lots of our events are sort of off-roading and adventury um, as opposed to road events and things yeah and so it's giving people a safe environment where they can stretch their um, their limit of where they've gone or what they've done in the past yeah and it's so rewarding to see people do that they might do well, when we had the Hillary Trail, they'd do the 16K and that yeah. was their first trail run. Yes. And then they'd do it and they're like, wow, that was awesome. And then they do other events during the year and then you see them, they've jumped up to the, the next distance. Yeah. And then, and some of them might jump up to the, the 80K Ultra. Yeah, amazing. And they come back and like, I remember you two years ago and yeah, I, yeah. I saw you at the finish and thought, that's awesome. Yeah. After seeing that at the start and thinking, oh, this is going to hurt.
0: Yeah so great yep. and uh you know we were talking before we came on and there is you know the potential that you know the hillary is not done and dusted is it
1: no no so um speaking to the ranger team and, and we're looking at the end of 2022 for the the hillary trail to be open again awesome um and so the event would be back um yeah soon as after that yeah which will be awesome
0: and will you celebrate by doing a quadrillery <laughs> no no <laughs>
1: um doing three was a stretch yeah <laughs> as yeah. far as my wanting to explore new places <laughs> yes um and i mean the trillery was after doing the double and and yeah. organizing the event. so it's an area that's well that i know well now and
0: yeah
1: yeah this year's all about going to new places nice um and doing little adventures and yeah. new places tra- yeah. tra- traveling a bit further but yeah and taking some people along to to have some fun and enjoy it as well giving them experiences which is cool
0: that sounds great. Yeah. So, Sean, obviously Lactic Turkey, it's one of the, you know, you guys run some fabulous races. People can touch base with you at Lactic Turkey. Where else can people find you?
1: Um, so I have uh, Instagram and Facebook Running Beast. Yes. Um, and so that sort of captures all of my adventures and yep. uh, lots of photos on, on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's fabulous. And you're always so connected with your audience as well. And I absolutely love it. And I always feel really like quite privileged when you comment on something I do. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Sean saw that. That's wicked. <laughs> no, it's
1: cool. Um, Organising the events, you get to know lots of people and, and be introduced to lots of people. Yeah. And quite often people will come over and say, oh, you're Sean. And like, I won't have a clue who they are. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'll recognise them. But it's great having that, um, that reach. And, um, and yeah. Introducing people to to our world I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome, Sean. Um, thank you so much for your time today and I'd offer you a beer but you've got to scoot home and then come back. So come back for beers. (laughs) Come back for beers. That sounds great. Sean, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: team i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did and anything that we discussed that will be useful for you to know will be in the show notes so absolutely check them out for some of those links that we talked about and as i said you can catch sean at the running beast on instagram and over on strava and also check out his events at lacticturkey.co.nz and next week I get to sit down with one of my most favorite people to follow on Instagram, Lola Berry, AKA Lauren Smith, AKA Australia's most well-known nutritionist. And she is just one of the warmest, awesome individuals that I've had the pleasure of chatting to. So I'm really looking forward to bringing to you my conversation with Lola. And we chat all things nutrition and life and beyond. Until then though, you can catch me at Twitter and Instagram, at Mickey Willardin, on Facebook, at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, and over on my website, mickeywillardin.com, where you can sign up to any of my online coaching plans that I have, or go to my website, check out one of my wee free courses, and then you get enrolled into getting weekly emails from me where I talk all about anything and everything that's on my mind with regards to nutrition and what I've been reading in the research. So it's a really good way for us to stay connected. Until then, if you enjoy the show, please share it with your mates, subscribe on your favorite platform, leave us a review. We really appreciate all of that and um, thank you so much for your support. All right team, until next week, see you soon. Bye.